This is the Daily Texan Newscast. I'm Anthony Green. And I'm Lillian Michelle. An on-campus protest was held in response to the ongoing Cody Young hate crime investigation. We'll get a breakdown of what caused so many heated tempers later in the show. Also this week, the Austin Animal Center is looking for happy homes for displaced dogs. And Texas A&M is expanding their campus carry policy. It is Friday, April 22nd, 2016. It's Earth Day. Might we suggest planting a tree or planting yourself in front of the TV for a Planet Earth Marathon? Either way, the news is next. From the Daily Texan Newsroom, here's what you might have missed. Petitions written by UT students asking for an increase in on-campus emergency call boxes, those blue light telephones that automatically call the police, have circulated online following the on-campus homicide two weeks ago. According to the University of Texas Police Department, 167 call boxes are located on campus, with 149 on the main campus and the other 18 spread out across university-owned apartments. One petition to increase the number of blue light telephones has been started by accounting sophomore Amanda Lanter on Change.org and has reached almost 1,000 signatures. Neuroscience sophomore Nafisa Nope also started a petition through the website iPetitions, calling for more surveillance cameras in addition to more call boxes. Nope said she decided to start the petition to show that a large number of students want more security measures implemented on campus. Between January 2013 and December 2015, 948 call box activations were made, according to UTPD. UTPD Captain Don Verrett said the boxes are intended to be utilized for emergencies that would typically be reported through a 911 call. However, the call box is less convenient, Verrett said, because most students carry cell phones. He said he cannot comment on the possibility of more call boxes being added to campus, and that UTPD only monitors a few cameras because they actually don't own any. Rather, individual departments own most of the cameras. However, he acknowledged the responsibility of the police department to not only make the campus safe, but also to make people feel that they're safe. LGBT rights advocate Equality Texas and the Austin Police Department announced a joint campaign last week to fight discrimination against LGBT individuals following a rise in targeted hate crimes in major cities last year. Last Thursday, officials from APD, Equality Texas, and the Texas Council on Family Violence held a press conference to discuss recent hate crimes and discrimination cases, as well as actions the organizations are taking. Equality Texas CEO Chuck Smith had this to say at the press conference, quote, The vitriol, sexism, racism, anti-gay, and anti-Muslim rhetoric in Texas and in America is fueling an atmosphere of hate in Texas and across the country that is causing innocent Texans to be beaten and almost killed. The campaign, launched during National Crime Victims' Rights Week, follows a string of around 20 alleged hate crimes dating back to last fall in the Dallas neighborhood of Oaklawn, which is home to much of the city's gay nightlife and bars. The statistics for Austin and other cities will be released later this April. On Thursday, Austin Police Chief Art Acevedo said the department is instilling new policies related to the instruction of police officers and reaching out to LGBT individuals, including about how officers should handle domestic violence calls and hate crime cases. Texas A&M University announced it would expand its campus carry implementation policy to not only allow concealed handguns in classrooms, but in its dorms as well. The A&M system posted this announcement on its website along with a few exceptions to the policy. Three institutions within the system, Texas A&M International University, Prairie View A&M University, and Texas A&M University Corpus Christi, have a third-party management company that leases its residential facilities. 
They will be exceptions because the university acknowledges the company's rights to determine what restrictions they will impose concerning weapons. Here at UT, President Gregory Fenves vowed in February to ban weapons in residence halls, except in public common areas like dining halls. It's also worth noting that under the law, you must be 21 and have a permit to carry a concealed handgun on campus. Since most students who live in dorms are not 21, they will not be affected by the restriction. Despite proposals by AMC Entertainment to allow texting in theaters, the Austin-based Alamo Drafthouse has rejected the idea. In a statement released last Thursday, Alamo Drafthouse CEO Tim League said he would never condone texting in movie theaters, stating, quote, you can only be immersed in a story if you're focused on it. League made the statement in response to AMC Entertainment CEO Adam Aaron, who said Wednesday that the company was considering allowing texting in its theater locations. Aaron said he had considered this to appeal to a larger demographic, such as millennials, and to a technology-based society, stating, quote, you can't tell a 22-year-old to turn off their cell phone. That's just how they live. Aaron later retracted his original statement and said AMC Entertainment would not allow texting during movies after the idea received negative public reception. The Austin Animal Center is seeking people to temporarily foster dogs after the Sunday night rainstorm displaced 55 dogs from the Town Lake Animal Center. Spokesperson for Austin Animal Center Casey Spain said the center takes in the most lost animals 24 to 48 hours after a big weather event, such as flooding, and only about a third of those pets are reclaimed. The rest need to be found homes. Spain also said even if students cannot foster or adopt a pet, they can volunteer at the center by walking the dogs, playing with the cats, and performing social media tasks like taking photos. If you're interested, the Austin Animal Center has reduced its adoption fee to $20 through April 29th. All dogs at the center have been spayed or neutered, have been microchipped, have an ID tag, and are up to date on their vaccinations. Women who wait to have children until after their 30th birthday are more likely to earn a higher lifetime income. This according to a recent study conducted by Washington University in St. Louis. The study, collected from 1.6 million Danish women, found a correlation between women who have children at a young age and lower incomes. Conversely, the data revealed women who waited to have children had a better chance of higher lifetime incomes. Researchers also found no statistically significant difference between women with college degrees and those without. Sociology professor Jennifer Glass, who also is the executive director of the Council on Contemporary Families Department of Sociology and Population Research Center, said the statistics are most likely worse for Americans. Glass stated that mothers' earnings are so country-specific to their own labor markets and level of discrimination and family... Po- what? What the That's fuck? That's not a real sentence. What did you... I mean, I guess if you want to type the thing, the liberal arts career services person, I don't know what kind of name Tatum is. I think it's a girl. <laughs> Did say there are no specific guidelines for family planning and career advising. It comes up in conversation. But, um, It's a little awkward because it's like, yeah, contraception. Or <laughs> if you want to make or, more money, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's, it's like, if, if you, you want to really wait till after you're 30, that's how you can wait. Oh my god, so hilarious! It's gonna get dark. Yeah, okay. Women who wait to have children until after their 30th birthday are more likely to earn a higher lifetime income, according to a recent study conducted by Washington University in St. Louis. 
The study collected data from 1.6 million Danish women found a correlation between women who have children at a younger age and lower incomes. Conversely, the data revealed women who wait to have children had a better chance of higher lifetime incomes. Researchers also found no statistically significant difference between women with college degrees and those without. UT sociology professor Jennifer Glass, who is also the executive director of the Council on Contemporary Families Department of Sociology and Population Research Center, said the statistics are most likely worse for Americans. Glass stated that mothers' earnings are country-specific in regards to their own labor markets and level of discrimination and family policy assistance received. On a campus of more than 53,000 students, it can be easy for the voices of the 2,000 black students to be silenced by the majority. Advertising sophomore Langston Dillard is working to change that. This month, Dillon created the 4.5 blog, a site that tells the stories of black students within the campus's 4.5% minority. He initially started the blog for a public relations course, but plans to continue updating the website with new portraits and profiles regularly. Dillard said his blog aims to deconstruct the universal black narrative in order to give others a better understanding of the black student perspective, saying, quote, There's not one way to think about being black. There's not a single story to be told. Dillard said he was inspired to create the blog from his own experiences at UT. After transferring from UTSA in the fall, he noticed a lack of diversity on campus. Walking into a class or standing in front of the tower, he often realized he was the only black person in sight. He hopes the blog can give others a frame of reference for understanding his experience. So far, Dillard has featured three black students on campus, giving each their own webpage, photo, and interview shared on the blog. Designed to keep students comfortable in extreme Texas weather, UT Air Conditioning is one of the most water and energy efficient cooling systems in the world. The Dell Medical School will be the first building ever to meet the three highest standards of building sustainability and efficiency, the LED, PEER, and SITES certifications, according to Juan Ontiveros, Associate Vice President of Utilities and Energy Management. The Dell Medical Center will use reclaimed water or recycled sewage water in the new Chilling Station 7. The station will maintain building temperature through evaporative cooling and come online at the end of June. Meanwhile, across campus, the Below Center for New Media and the Biomedical Engineering Building primarily use reclaimed water, which is highly treated wastewater, but is not drinkable, for their air conditioning purposes. According to Ontiveros, UT is the most efficient university in the world. UT runs with 87% efficiency, while the average efficiency of power plants in the U.S. is only about 32%. And now to Akshay Merchandani with the Daily Texan Sports Update. Thanks, guys. The men's basketball team announced Isaiah Taylor has decided to hire an agent, officially foregoing his final year of eligibility at Texas. Taylor originally declared for the NBA draft on April 7th, but did not hire an agent, which left the door open for a potential return to Texas for his senior year. His decision to hire an agent on Thursday eliminates that option. Taylor led the Longhorns in scoring with 15 points per game last season. Taylor said in the statement, While I'm sad to be leaving my teammates and family behind at Texas, I am ready to start this next chapter of my career. Thank you to all the fans that have supported me these past three years. You have made me feel at home. The baseball team begins a three-game series with Texas Tech in Lubbock. The two play Friday at 6.30 p.m., Saturday at 2 p.m., and Sunday at 2 p.m. Texas is coming off a 7-5 home victory against UT Rio Grande Valley. Softball, meanwhile, will play at home against Oklahoma State this weekend after being swept by Oklahoma on the road last weekend. Texas plays Oklahoma State at McCombs Field Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 1 p.m., and Sunday at noon. That's it for sports. Back to you guys. Thanks, Akshay.
Tucker Sauer and Lucas Henderson are two white students who were charged with public intoxication and deadly conduct on February 20th after mathematics senior Cody Young, a black student, reported to the police that Sauer and Henderson had thrown bottles at him from the balcony of a West Campus apartment and yelled a derogatory racial slur. Days after the incident, Young filed a report with the Office of the Dean of Students, but more than a month passed and no disciplinary action was taken. After Daily Text, an article about Young's complaint received significant attention. Last Thursday, Gregory Fenves said in an email that the university had suspended Sauer until 2017 and would look into re-examining and changing its policies on releasing student information about the punishment of students who have committed criminal acts. This Wednesday, there was a protest held in reaction to Young's case. We have Cassandra Jaramillo in the studio to discuss this with us. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot to go through. Let's start with the initial incident. It happened all the way back in February. Why did it take so many weeks to address the problem? So that's a great question. Um, The university has a very complicated disciplinary process that is very secretive. And while we reported on the case, we found um, that that several weeks had passed because there's an appeals process that allows the, um, I guess we can call them accused students, to, to take this decision um, for whatever sanction that the university has, has placed on them. So we learned that um, a month had passed because they had appealed, but we don't know what the appeal was. Again, it's, it's very secretive. Apparently, it's protected under a federal law known as FERPA, which uh, makes these records private. Um, however, with our, our very good investigative reporting skills, we, we got more information, and it turns out that, um, you know, there, there is a, a conflict with the university's policy and as far as what the federal law allows with that. And how aware was Cody during this process? How, how did he feel when the suspension was announced, ultimately? So during the process, Cody Young really wasn't, um, he was kept in the dark. Mm. Again, um, these FERPA laws gave privacy to uh, Tucker Sauer, who was the only student that was involved in this disciplinary process because he was the only one enrolled at UT at the time. Um, According to uh, records that the Daily Texan has, Lucas Henderson was formerly a UT student, but when this all happened, he wasn't. Um, So Sauer was the only one involved with the disciplinary process, and Cody Young was never told that an appeal had happened. The Daily Texan actually learned first um, when we contacted their lawyer, and she did confirm that she was helping with the university's appeal. So as far as as this um, report went through the disciplinary process, he didn't uh, know much. Uh, when he learned the verdict of the punishment, he was asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which is a contract that binds him to, you know, not being able to release the information to a third party. And so um, when Fenves released the email... Although it was limited information, if you notice the language of the email, he doesn't say any names, mm-hmm. um, but he does say the student involved. Exactly, exactly. And so it's pretty clear from people who have kept up with with the coverage that they know what the email was in reaction to. Um, but that being said, uh, Fenves put out this email, and Cody Young felt very upset that he was 
asked to sign this legal document that kept him silent. I mean, he he told me he didn't even tell his mom the wow. the verdict. And did he feel that it was enough or so Cody Young feels that it um was too lenient of a punishment. Uh he feel he he has shared that um it's longhorns don't don't do that type of action longhorns um that's not what it it means to be a longhorn to call someone a racial slur and mm-hmm. and threaten them with violence and so young was very um disappointed by the university's um decision to put basically a temporary ban on the student to come back to the university and the protest that happened on Wednesday was that in response to the university suspension not being enough of a punishment So the protest was definitely spurred by uh, the reaction to Cody Young's case. Um, You know, this year, uh, the black community has given demands to President Fenves and things Mm -hmm. they would like for them to, for him to address to the community. And one of them was for Fenves to, you know, publicly recognize events of hostility towards minority students. And so they felt that, you know, Cody Young's incident in West Campus was, um, you know, a, a missed, a missed uh, time for the president to really make, make a stand and saying that, you know, this was a racial incident and it should not be tolerated on campus. And so um, the protesters brought that up. They also brought up how they would like for the university to define specifically hate crimes. Mm-hmm. If you notice the language of the email, it's very much, you know, in regards to violence. So it may get, it, we don't know for a fact, but it may have been treated as an assault case compared to a hate crime case. Um, and so students very much feel that uh, UT Austin should have some type of policy that would be stricter on situations where you have violence coupled with um, discrimination. And uh, jumping back to Fenves for a moment, what specific policies is he interested in changing? So the specific policies that Fenves is has said he's going to change, um, one of them being um, expediting the process, that is the disciplinary process. You know, what, what we found was that Every time you appeal, it gives a student so many days to to make a decision on on what to do. It seems that I don't know exactly in what part of of this process President Finves is going to you know take away days or if or if that's exactly what they're going to do. But it seems that initially it would be you were given a sanction and you had like seven to. 14 days to respond. So you can see where that would definitely drag out um, a situation like this, which many feel should have been addressed immediately. Um, Another thing is that President Fenves wants to give the Dean of Students uh, the authority to uh, have interim suspensions. So while the office is deciding on what punishment to do, um, for the responsible, that's what they call it in the dean of students' office, the person who's accused, they call them the responsible student. Mm-hmm. I find that very ironic uh, yeah, <laughs> language. But um, for the uh, the responsible student, as, as they say it, um, they, they would be able to be suspended while they decide what sanction they will put on, on that student. 
The next thing that President Fenves is going to change has to go back to what we found at the Daily Texan was um, some type of inconsistency with the federal law that is FERPA law. So the federal law says that you can release certain um, limited information. So that being said, it's like UT could have said, oh, we suspended the student or we took this action. Um, However, university policy didn't have that provision for whatever reason. And so, um, you know, after our investigation pointed out these um, issues, President Finbez had a council of lawyers look at the law and what exactly was it that was keeping it so secretive. And he found that it was a conflict between the federal law known as FERPA and what university policy stated. So those will be policies that he's going to change. As far as UT goes, the Office of the Dean of Students has finished its investigation, uh, which ended in the suspension of Sauer. But Cody initially reported the incident to the Austin police because it happened off campus. So has a decision been reached there? So as far as disciplinary matters, the case is closed. Um, like you said, they've decided that the suspension was the punishment to be placed. But this case is still very much going on in the criminal court case in Travis County. So all we know right now is that hearings are, are going on with um, Tucker Sauer and Lucas Henderson, but um, no ver verdict has been made yet. Okay. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And now to Chris Duncan and Kat Cardenas with the Daily Texan Backbeat. Thanks, Anthony. This week, we're going to be talking about a uh, release from Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla died in 2006. However, a lot of his catalog is still being released to the public. And this is his final album that he wanted released after his death. Uh, it's called The Diary. The first track we're going to preview off of this album is called The Introduction. Take a listen. Back in the days when I was a young nigga Before my Uncle Al let me pull a gun trigger You can find Dilla listening to Abstract My pops used to say it reminded him of Jazz Cash See he told me that this game go in cycles Example, Cisco amping like Michael Expect nothing but fire, it's on and popping If you got the chronic, J is for the copping Come on everybody, let's get live with it This nigga nice with it like Dykes Lickin First let me introduce myself My peeps call me Dilla Known to write and produce I really liked the samples that came at the end of it and everything was it was a pretty mediocre song throughout all of it and I can't really complain about any of the aspects of the song it just didn't really leave any kind of impact on me yeah the first time I heard the song it definitely placed the album in the era it was made for anybody who doesn't mm -hmm. know this album was created in 2001 2002 around that time and it was meant to be released 2002 2003 However, J. Dilla's record company ended up shelving the project, uh, and he never made his rap debut. Most people know him as a producer, but he might have been trying to pull a, a Kanye and try to go from producer to rapper. Who knows what would have happened, but you know, this song is a good kind of... It really shows what he would have done uh, if he had the chance to rap. He talks a lot about his childhood, his past. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, this song is definitely for you. The next song we have for you guys to check out is The Shining Part 2. 
Check it out. When I'm thinking, when I'm thinking your wife. Yup, big truck jewels in the truck with tools. You don't wanna pop shit tonight. Chain swinging the sickening ice. I swing it to see it glisten in the lights. And my shit on freeze, kiddo. Pass pussy and then don't please. For the one to get MOP. I rose deep with heat holders that'll bust things in your jeeps. Hope nuts so rough and Jake, you go nuts if you touch the chain. Just because I ain't tucked it, A, I ain't the fucking gang. Got the thing, thing, tuck the bang. This song is one of the many on the album that Jay Dilla didn't actually produce himself. He took a, his rapping role very seriously with this record, and he definitely forewent the production side of things. He did produce a few songs, but this song is produced by Mad Lib, one of my favorite producers. Uh, it's definitely a, a Mad Lib production, you can tell. It's not super poppy like a lot of his other stuff. Uh, it's definitely more mellow, and uh, Jay Dilla's lyrics just kind of you know, fit into the beat really well. And I think it's a good song. It's only a minute long, but it definitely wraps up part one of this song well. I wasn't a big fan of this song. I know a lot of times when things are pretty repetitive that they can also be catchy, but this, I did not think was the case with this song. I just found it to be too repetitive. I wasn't, I, I didn't really like it at all. Yeah, that, that's definitely Mad Lib's, one of Mad Lib's go-to styles is that he's he often repeats a lot of melodies and themes. Uh, which is what makes a lot of his music. The last song we're going to listen to is uh, one of the songs that was redone for this album, actually, and it's called The X, featuring Bilal. Don't know what you got till it's gone. It's hard to move on, but we gave it a chance. And because you wasn't ready for a man, you left me. <laughs> okay. Remember you left me. Yeah. So let me free. This song was a pretty chill song to listen to, but I think it went a little bit too far down that down that road. It was a bit it, it just wasn't exciting enough. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason I just wasn't a big fan of it either. I think overall with this album, every song that I listened to was pretty it was okay and it was decent and it was obviously pretty dated based off of when they made it, but I just didn't really see that much merit in releasing these songs now. Yeah, I can definitely see that perspective. I think for dedicated fans of Jay Dilla, they're going to like this release. It's going to kind of give them a perspective as to what could have happened mm-hmm. to his career if this album had been uh, you know, released by his record label. However, for most people, I wouldn't suggest going out and like, you know, making making this like a priority to listen to of all the new releases that are coming out in the coming couple weeks. But, uh, you know, it's a solid, it's a solid effort. I think if this had been released in 2002, it would have been received fairly positively. Uh, you know, but now it just, it really does date itself in a lot of, and you know, in the way he's rapping, he, he doesn't really give much vocal inflection to his raps. And truthfully, he's, he's a better, his production stands the test of time, but this, his rapping really, doesn't as well that's it from us back to you guys thanks guys and that about does it for this week's edition of the daily texan newscast in the meantime there is always more news at dailytexanonline.com you can also follow the daily texan on twitter at the daily texan and this and our other podcasts at texan podcast as always we're on itunes just search for the daily texan newscast we'll see you next week everybody bye guys (laughs) 
This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Anthony Green and Lily Michel. Our guests were Akshay Merchandani, Kat Cardenas, Chris Duncan, and Cassandra Jaramillo. The music was by Jazar. Be sure to tune in next week, Friday, April 29th, for our next episode. And you can always find more news at DailyTexanOnline.com. <laughs>